You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk, hello. Hello. Welcome to 2016. <laughs> Has it been a week, two weeks? Do you know the date? You're my, about to tell everyone the date, so you'll know. What my it is. before the after the show discussion was about we've lost two famous people in the last. No, it wasn't. We weren't talking about anything. You are making this up. No, this is what I'm going to talk scratch. about before. We've lost two famous people in the last couple of days uh, related since, to movies. Three since January, right? Right, but these two are related to movies. One is Mr. David Bowie, which. No matter what anybody thinks, and I asked somebody and they said, never heard of him. David Bowie is a legend, in my opinion. In the- Yeah, and this somebody wasn't like 15 years old. No. He's a fucking grown man and claims he's never heard of David Bowie. This is also a friend who claims he's never heard of a lot of shit. I want to know where his head's been for the last 40 years of his life. I do not understand. Now, there are people you could so, mention to me that I won't have heard of, but that's just weird. No, everybody's heard of David Bowie, surely. Even, I said to you, even you could ask... No, that friend you're talking about is not the person who had never heard of David Bowie. He'd heard of David Bowie, just didn't really know what he sang. Bye. Um, but somebody else who I had talked to didn't never heard of him. Like he said, is he a British guy or what? Like that was the answer. How old was this person? Um, he's probably about thirty-five. Oh my god! So, but David Bowie is a legend. There's no question about that. In music, David Bowie is a legend. In film, he was in film, very good in film too. And the other person... Not a lot of films. Let's not No, but Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is an amazing film. You should definitely see that film. And he also was in... um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. (laughs) That's like the main one everyone talks about. Mm -hmm. Because he's the main guy. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence was always my favorite one. Um, It's about internment camps. Mm. Being in an internment camp. It's really good. Like, really harrowing. Uh, But also who died was Alan Rickman. But he was also in the other one. with He played... uh, Tesla. Yeah, that was the prestige. Right. With um, a few years ago. Christian Bale, Michael Caine. And directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, good film as well. Under underlooked Christopher Nolan film. Everybody knows Inception and, and uh, Interstellar and Batman, <laughs> but they don't really think of the prestige and it is a really it good is film. It is good. It is yeah. good. Good, good. Um, so yeah, David Bowie died. My earliest... You know, like, you don't remember much about when you're a child. I don't, anyway. No. Like, I can't picture myself as a child. It's really weird. But there is one image in my mind. It always has been in my mind, and it involves David Bowie. And I am a... I don't know how old I am. I'm a child. I'm actually a child. I'm looking out of the back window of the house that we lived, and um, it's... I like this story. I'm a child because I don't reach the the window ledge properly. I'm, I'm having to peer up onto the window ledge. So I'm smaller than the window ledge. And the window ledge was probably pretty high because they are in English houses. They're probably higher than the ones here. Um, and there was a radio, like a old, you know, this was probably in the 70s. So one of those radios that takes batteries. And it was, it must have been like when the chart show was on, all the, you know, the latest music on BBC One. And I was, stu- and Space Oddity was on. You know, and as a kid, I, I was really into Spaceman and Space, so that song resonated with me a lot. 
And I just remember looking out the window and listening to the whole of that song. And that's a long song. What was outside their window? Uh, just the garden. And it was raining. <laughs> but I can actually see that really vividly. And that music is p- the soundtrack to it. And that is one of the only things I can remember of being a child. So it's kind of always stuck with me, David Bowie, you know, throughout the years. Do you have any uh, David Bowie tales? No. You just like David Bowie? <laughs> well, I mean, I was growing up in the 80s, so MTV, once it was invented and I was in a place that had cable, you'd see MTV, and it was pretty much... There was a short list of people that you saw over and over mm-hmm. and over and over, and David Bowie was one of those people. You know, Billy Idol, David Bowie, Sting, um, the Talking Heads, and I mean, whatever was of the of the classic 80s, early 80s, and there was David Bowie, and that's what I remember the most, is Let's Dance, and Suffragette City, and you know. Mine was more of the, I remember more of the, is 70s my, stuff? My siblings, my siblings are like 10, 9, and 7 years older than me, but they listened to... You know, the Eagles and Toto and Journey and sort of that kind of genre. Even Kiss. And so David Bowie wasn't really on their teenage radar. So that's why it wouldn't have been exposed to me. And then if the radio was on, it was country music because we listened to Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitter. Twit. Twitter. <laughs> Conway Twitty. Conway Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what his, is, is that what his handle is on Twitter? <laughs> Conway Twitter. Well, he's dead, so I don't. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. So if it, you know, so no, I don't have anything until I was a teenager. I listened to um, it was in my formative years, and so it's a you know, I wasn't like I'm not going to claim to be a huge Bowie fan. Whatever was on the radio or MTV, I would never have sat down and listened to a whole album. Oh, same with Lemmy from Radiohead. Never listened to Radiohead. He was from I think. Motorhead, not Motorhead. Radiohead. Sorry, Radiohead is a totally different band. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even know those kinds of bands. Honestly, I don't. Okay, let me from Mo- let's just go back. Let me from Motorhead also. Motorhead. Go. Um, a very famous British heavy metal. See, band. some people would say you're making fun of people for not knowing David Bowie is, and you're saying that Lemmy is from Radiohead. So, so, I, so I, I, it's fair. It's fair. I do have a uh, a memory of Lemmy from Motorhead. That's a weird one from being a child. Also, so this one is um, when I was about thirteen. I was into heavy metal music. I like Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that, you know, on vinyl, and I would collect it and play it. And for Christmas, I got the No Sleep Till Hammersmith album, which was a live Motorhead album. And inside, when you opened it, the gatefold sleeve, do you remember those things where you open them up and there's loads of pictures of the band? Mm-hmm. Inside there was a picture of Lemmy with a girl, I think she's like a stripper or something, with the biggest boobs you've ever seen, <laughs> naked. And, and he stood with his arms around her. And I looked at that picture quite a lot during my teenage years. Because <laughs> I didn't have access to other pictures of that type. So there's my Lemmy story. <laughs> Thanks, Lemmy, for that. <laughs> I'm sure Lemmy had nothing to do with that, except that he was in the picture. But um, the other person who died was uh, Alan Rickman. So, yeah, this is a terrible year for British legends. <laughs> so far. Yeah. So uh, Alan Rickman, if you don't know who Alan Rickman is, and you should... If you've watched Harry Potter, you know who he is. He's Professor Snape. If you watched... Love Actually. Die Hard, you know who he is. Because he was Hans Gruber. Not Hans Gruber. Just so you know a little trivia. Hans Gruber was supposed to be wearing one of the actual, like, um, done up with the vest and the bulletproof vest and the gear and everything. That's how they had planned him. He, Alan Rickman, was new. He'd never had other jobs, hardly. 
He suggested that Hans Gruber would actually wear a suit oh. and look like smart and then blend in to be one of the what looked like a hostage. Oh. They told him he needs to just do what he's told and do as the script says. And the next day when he came in, this is how he tells the story, they handed him a suit instead of the other stuff. And they had taken on board what he said. Now, that really does change. That puts in your mind, your your picture of Hans Gruber is this guy in a suit mm-hmm. looking so controlled. And yet, you know, and like just like that, he kills that one dude. And, you know, so. So, like, <clears throat> we just watch Love Actually. We always do at Christmas. <laughs> He's like, excellent in that movie. Mm-hmm. I like that story of his. Actually. It's already sad enough that I'm watching <laughs> that. And I'm thinking of Liam Neeson's poor dead wife in real life, and he's got a dead wife in the movie. Now you're going to be thinking about that. Well, he's and Alan Rickman's story is very sad too in that yep. movie. Well, uh, it's not sad. Life. He's a shyster. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. I His mean, wife's I mean, story it, well, is sad. It, well, it's all all that yeah. all that story. That story is the sad part of that movie. Um, but Alan Rickman, awesome, Die Hard. That is such a classic villain. You'll never forget that. I just don't like the way he's kind of offed. <laughs> don't let it end. That's kind of the president for all. As other I say, his early days of yeah. things falling off the yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm looking for this this cover you're talking. I tried about. to look for it the other day because it came into my mind when Lemmy died, but I could not find what it. What album anywhere. was it? I thought it was No Sleep Till Hammersmith, mm. which is a live Motorhead album. But um, I could not find a picture. All right, that picture's probably ingrained into my mind somehow. If you showed it me, I'd know what it was. Anyway, enough about that. Um, rest in peace. The thing is, we're people. not close to these people. We don't know these people. They have families and loved ones who That's be the grieving. Album. The thing is, though, you think what what occurs to you when you are a fan of someone in in the public eye is that's it. Everything that I've like appreciated from that person, that is it. Uh-huh. Other than people like your beloved Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman, of, who of he died, died while stuff was going on, mm-hmm. and he had put. He had already created things that now we're seeing, even though he's the already gone. But you won't see any more Alan Rickman unless there is a movie that we haven't hasn't been put out yet or something. And the and day before it. David Bowie died, he put out a new album. The day before he died, and which he is turned like, sixty nine, which is like a you know. So yes, there is a new piece of Bowie out there for you to all go and get that's and listen it. to. But that is it. Yeah, that is it. That's unless the they thing come up with some un- unreleased someone. stuff from years ago, which they still do with the Beatles now. But even that's what I'm saying. There's still no more. No. You will not have him. So that's what's sad about it, and that's a selfish thing because we're all selfish. We want more of the people that we appreciate in the in the Hollywoodish kind of worlds. But but I have an album called the Platinum Collection by David Bowie. It's uh, like a, a compilation album, basically, but it's three albums in one sleeve, like, and it's it's his seventies, eighties, and nineties um, Bowie. And if you listen to that all the way through, which I did this week, I left it on and listened to the whole thing. He is very influential, and he's one of those um, artists that changed as the decades went on. When it was 80s time to be cheesy, he was 80s and cheesy. Yeah, yeah, When exactly. it was 70s and serious and uh, heavy rocky, he was that. When he was glam, when it was glam rock time, he was that. You know, he never stood still. He always changed. Listen to that new album. It's called Black Star. It's very unique. It's more experimental kind of stuff. He's 69 and making crazy stuff like that. You know, it's like a real... It's almost jazz. So, um, yes, on to more cheery things and rest in peace, all you people. Strange that three British people died in that space of time, though. Very famous. So, it is Saturday, January the 16th. This is after the show number 410. We are a movie review podcast. We review Blu-rays. This week's Blu-ray that we're reviewing is The Intern. It's a 2015 movie. 
It will be released this Tuesday upcoming, the 19th. You'll be able to pick it up then. It's from our friends at Warner, and it's a PG-13. And Sid Tart will give you the synopsis of The Intern. An old man gets a job as an intern at a company with a younger woman. Correct. <laughs> All right. I mean. Short, to the point, perfect. So, let's get into The Intern. Um, so first, Sid Talk, you. Hello, Sid Talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting weird. What did you think of The Intern? I mean, what, you know. Over, we know every in, week. In fact, do we need to explain more about the synops- than the synopsis? Oh, are you saying that my synopsis wasn't good enough? You tell me to be faster every no. fucking week. No, I'm saying, should we spoil this movie? Uh, mm. It's not really going to hurt anybody. Let, there'll We're going to warn there'll be the spoilers movie. because there are things we will yeah. that I would bring up that I wasn't expecting. Right. So I would say So yeah. let's um, spoil this movie. So turn off now if you're not seeing <laughs> this movie. Come back when you've seen it and join in with our discussion. Talk to the to the radio. I was going to say radio. <laughs> Internet machine. Talk to the radio. So what did you think of the intern, Sid Talk? Now remember, I'm speaking from my five words every week. And the last two movies have been fun and fun. And this one is sweet. I don't know how I actually, to describe uh, it. I said that to you as we walked it's upstairs. Sweet. I said that was a really sweet movie. Yeah, I think sweet is... And that's not... I'm not being condescending... Sweet can sound one of two ways. It can sound like, oh, isn't that sweet? Or it's just sweet as in you can, I don't know, it feels right to say it's sweet because it's a nice, thoughtful, you know, a relation. And I like what the director said in the extras and exactly what went through my mind as I was Exactly what went through my mind. Yeah, there are other kinds of relationships to explore in this world than just... Romantic. Romantic relationships. And while that, on the same topic, we've been listening to the new... um, Ellie Goulding album and her comment about what she was writing. She was tired of writing about boys all the time and relationships with men. So she wrote a song about her and her best friend. And I think that's a that's a good turn we need to take is that every story doesn't have to be about... And this is not that. And you know what? At the beginning of the movie, and I we'd seen the trailers to this, but it didn't really give everything away. And I was watching it and I was like, this is going to be really creepy if this is a romantic thing. It's just a bit weird. Yes, and I know that there's a big age gap between a lot of romantic relationships, but it doesn't seem right. But and never I, made it feel like it was I kept be. thinking it was going to go that way in a dark twist. Not a dark twist, but a twist of some kind where they got brought together. There was no indication of that. Though, there wasn't, really. but that was because I'm kind of programmed to like, which is refreshing Man. actually for this film. I'm, you're programmed with these type of films to, okay... It's going to be a very slow falling in love movie, and then they'll be in love. Or That's it won't not... work, and then they'll have to just right. go their separate ways. That's... So this movie surprised me because it's not that. It, it's it's better than that. It's, so it's a it's... spoiler. They don't fall in love. <laughs> no, well, in a way they do, but not as friends. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about best friends, they are literally best friends. It's a very underrated thing in this world, friendship. And we see a lot of buddy movies, and we see a lot of, you know, like, the the supporting friend over here who is your shoulder to cry on because your fucking partner isn't working out, whatever, you know, in movies. But we never, we, we do, I mean, there's... They're usually just third, right? Just even though, if you think, like, Beaches, even that was about their romantic relationships getting in the way of their friendship. And so that still wasn't about I've never just seen Beaches. Wings under my... Or no, wind under no, my I never saw it. <laughs> I'm gone. I have a feeling you'd cry at that one. What a yeah. You'd feel like crying. Is it yeah, Bette Midler? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, she's in it. She's in it. Yeah. She's not the one that would make you cry. Right. Um. So 
why in this world, like, maybe not everybody has the kind of friend or values it the way that, like, I have friends, and particularly one friend who, there's more to that relationship than any other relationship I'll ever have, no offense, but I mean, I've known her 40, 35 years, and you have known 16 years. There's more to it. It may be different between you and I, but there's something about, and it's super important, like, so I would love to see more stories, not just about, like, Stand By Me kind of friendship movies, because that's another type, is children who are in the little group of friends, right? This is more about discovering a new friend. Who you never thought you would Not only, yeah, not only, like, this fish-out-of-water friend, or whatever they say, like, non-compatible people coming together, But just finding a new friend at an age in life when maybe a lot of people think, well, if I didn't make friends when I was in junior high, I'm never going to make real friends. But it's just not true. Like, you can make friends whenever. So I like, I really love that aspect I thought it it. was, I thought this was really thoughtful. I thought it was intelligently wrote, aside from some of it was um, just very Hollywood uh, fantasy world. um, The heist? (laughs) That was just, that was just like, let's have a bit of fun in the middle of the movie. But, um, you know... I found the startup company that Anne Hathaway is the head of to be very realistic because we've seen startup companies and we watch like Dragon's Den and we see clips of places and they all look like that. And the people inside those places all look like the people in this movie. So I bought all that. Um, I don't know if it's a thing like uh, having um, older interns in companies, but but it sounds like a cool millennial thing to do, doesn't it? Sounds like a good idea. Like, Well, I, I mean a thing where... It would look good. Hey, look, we're helping the elderly not wither and die. They can come and be stimulated. <laughs> because those are the only two choices. Exactly. You either wither and die, or you come to work for millennials. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> now, so I really like. You know, I found it. I found it pretty touching. This movie, a lot of the time. Well, I guess we should say she has started a company from scratch. Yeah. And in this last eighteen months of company. yeah, it's online shopping. That's all mm-hmm. it is, really. She deals with vendors and shins people clothes, right? That's it. But what's happened is her company has grown super fast, super huge. She's now, like, bogged down with all of the... Everything that goes with it. And so that's where we're going with seeing someone, a woman, who's trying to be everything to everybody. Another element of a modern kind of... Well, it's not modern. I've been doing these movies since the 30s. But a woman who's trying to do more than, you know, stay home and... Cook dinner. There were some really touching moments and well written moments. One one of my favorites was where she's helping him. It it shows the age gap of people and she's helping him fill in a Facebook profile because he's like, I haven't joined Facebook. So she's helping him. And then she says, Have you got a, a, um, what is it? A somebody you like? What's your relationship stat? Oh, yeah. Somebody Somebody you admire. admire, And he says her. And then she's kind of like, Well, you know, that's, don't be funny. And he's like, No, you've done. But there's moments that are touching like that. And the moments where... um, And these are moments that I make up in my mind. The fact that he's a widow. And there's moments mentioned... And you see his face react to that when somebody says, Oh, sorry sorry that you lost. Yeah. Rene Rousseau says it to him. And the things on Robert De Niro's face... I know he's just... Some people say he's just pulling that face. But I got that. Like, yeah. Like, I've been through a lot of stuff. uh, Yeah, exactly. And then the moments when he does say to her, no, no, I admire you because you're doing this, this, and this. And he's very to the point. And, you know, if you talk to my mother, who's in a similar age bracket, she will cut through the shit and she will tell you. 
you know, don't put up with that shit from that boss and do this and do that. And like she, they distill, I don't mean they, like they're a whole population of people. I just mean when you get older, you learn not to fuss so much about all the little things and you focus on the stuff that matters. And then this little conversations they have. It's like he's he's taking a knife and cutting through all the shit that happens when you're in your 20s and 30s and points straight at her and says, you should be proud of yourself for what you have accomplished. All the other stuff doesn't matter. Right. And that's the stuff that I find really I'm sweet because it's not condescending. It's not he's not patronizing her. It's not like, "Hey, I can help you even do better." It's none of that. There's not he's not coming to the rescue necessarily in a He's just a kind person. He balances out what she's lacking and the other way around. So I think there's none of this like, oh, she's going to need an older man to come in and save the day. It's more like he needs a place to be and to feel important. She needs that. It's quite romanticized, though. Oh, very, There's no grit, really, in this movie. Like, Robert De Niro's character. But you know what? Because they commit fully to the sweetness. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Now, another movie might be too saccharine if yeah. they went too far, but I felt like it was just right. Yeah, I did too. I mean, yes, you, with Robert De Niro's character, he's just this charming, old school, um, helpful, you know, helpful to a fault kind of guy who you you can't help but love him. But then, when, you know, in other movies, they would try and give him some kind of dark side or whatever. But Yeah, exactly. His, he hasn't got a dark side. He, I mean, his wife died. He had a lonely period, he said, at the beginning when he's talking, doing his interview thing. Um, but that's it. Aside from that, he's pretty chipper. He's happy-go-lucky kind of, you know, he's... Uh, so, and she, there is a dark side to the Anne Hathaway character. Her, it's a relationship thing, but there is a dark side to that. But even that is uh, not that dark. It's not touched upon fully, I don't think, where some movies might have gone overboard with it. They stick to the sweet. Now, that was one thing I just didn't like. Uh, if, if I didn't like something about this movie, it was her just... Spoilers. We're already in spoiler territory. Her, just with this husband, just... Okay, we'll just move on with this. He's a after. boring... Oh my god. I mean, he has an affair. He's like, yeah, that's the spoiler part. He's my least favorite thing in this movie. I'm sorry to the actor. I really am. I truly am. I don't mean to be rude. I mean, I think he fits. No, he's such a drag. He's boring. He's blah. He brings absolutely nothing. He brings nothing to the description we're given of him. That he used to be really successful and he's decided to be the stay-at-home mom. He looks like somebody who works He's been very helpful (laughs) and real supportive. We see none of that. Every line that he delivers is like, blah, 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 blah. Every single thing. I'm glad that that wasn't that pivotal. Um, Yes, he has an affair and there's a bit of heartbreak involved. She's coping, but that's not the heart of the story. But the heartbreak involved involves more Robert De Niro, um, like, consoling her. So I enjoyed that scene in the the hotel. Um, And they didn't focus too much on him having an affair. It wasn't like a... It almost like resolves so quickly, but I didn't like how she took him back. She's strong, isn't she? But there again, she's kind of... But there's this new age thing of, not, I don't know if it's new, it's not new, because women have stayed with cheating husbands forever, but 
this like we can do this right i googled it and and a lot of people do this and yeah they that, all it that and, part where she was saying like you know this so is ultimately just what, what she's doing she's still accepting responsibility for him cheating it's my her. fault she's she yeah. was saying like well i'm a successful woman and his manhood has been taken away and obviously we'll go and look for something else so by brushing it under the rug, that's basically what yeah, you're Yeah, that's the part saying. I didn't buy 100%. Like. like, I'll adjust my career and my life and the way that I live in my family so that you won't want to go cheat on me again. Right. That's the part I... No rational person. Now, I'm not saying don't stick together after some event, someone's had an affair. I'm just saying, in this movie, we didn't address it with this... But then, they do make it very clear that she's not exactly Miss... Like, she's not a heart, she's not like divorce Prada kind of woman. She's not like that. She, she kind of stumbled into this huge success. So she's not super driven. She's pretty soft. She see her crying at work, you know, and she, <laughs> that made me tear up because she's far across the room. She's being, she's busy on her laptop, but you see her, um, pick up a Kleenex and like dab her yeah. corner of right because you know what's happened to make her feel sad and you're like, oh, you know, so she's not like totally she's in, tough. like, like this parts of the movie where you feel like she's in it on her own. There's nothing. All this stress and she it's thinks just that, hurt. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this—that's my least favorite thing of this movie. Yeah, me too. That, and that's like the ending of the movie, but it didn't leave a sour taste because then it all—it finishes with the friendship yeah. of, of. So to me, that was a bit unbelievable-ish, but it didn't matter because it. Even I, w- I would have did, rather had it. If different. they just had one line where she said, "You know what? I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna deal with this," but. I don't know how right now. Right. Instead of saying, well, um, maybe, maybe. Yeah, lovey, she lovey. just like, you know what? And that's realistic to say, yes, there's a big thing going on, but I've also got this big thing going on, so I will deal with that when I need to But deal it was with more it. of a romantic, like, yeah. oh, we will get through this, hug, hug. And if he'd been more interesting of a, of a character, I would have been like, probably more into it. But no, I was like, and you know, he we, drags it down did so it, bad. Was it mentioned near the beginning about a father? What happened to the, her father? Huh. Not at all, right? So Robert De Niro... No, her step- parents are fine. Her parents are sleep she researchers. She speaks to her mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah true, true. Yeah, true. they're researchers. They're doctors. They they just We just don't hear from them no. much. No. So I was thinking... Yeah. No, because they go to the house and they have two laptops. So her father's fine. True. That was one thing where I was like, uh, at the beginning, before we got those details, I was like, oh, so it's just going to be like Robert De Niro's a father figure. Yeah. She t- but it's not that even. Hmm. So it's just a straight up, you're older, I'm younger, trying to learn a lot of stuff. You know some stuff about things. And we're friends. That's all it is. Like I think you know? it's somebody who everybody else in her life seems to be focused on like one thing, even her parents. They don't see around what they're doing. They don't see, you know, I mean, they're, they're pointed at their careers. And then there's the daughter over here, right? And Robert De Niro's character is that guy who kind of sits there and observes everybody and tries to think of the right thing for everybody all the way around from everybody's point of view. And he's not perfect, but I'm just saying he's the only character that seems to do that, except for like her assistant guy. He's, I'm, yeah. He's more like, I understand, I know you, and he you seems, need this guy. <laughs> that, that's actually a thing. The, the assistant guy who she sits down and talks to, he's like her best friend at the beginning. He's the cl- he's you the nearest, like yeah, yeah, like the nearest she can discuss things with, but I don't think he's enough. Like, exactly. Because he, he, he is like a millennial, like a typical... He doesn't bring the life experience necessarily, mm. but... So, yeah, I do think it's intelligently wrote. I think it felt fairly realistic to me, even though... 
I don't know if it is at all. Like, oh, no, of course not. It's very Hollywoody. But, but it, it feel the relationship parts felt realistic. I felt a bond between Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. Like, there's definitely there was a chemistry type of thing going on. I don't mean a romantic thing. I mean yes. a friend thing. Like again, where, yeah, we have to under yeah. There are other ways of having chemistry with the person where they just become a fixture in your life in a good way. That balances out. And there was lots of moments you. like like how. You know when she went in to do an interview thing with the CEO dude, and he, how he's just stood outside the the car like like a waiting for her, like like he's he's invested in this, but exactly know, he, he invests not, very quickly. Yeah, but only in because fact, he, it, in fact it freaks her out at the beginning. She almost gets rid of him because she's like, this guy's too observant. Right, like he's really looking at. And what he I'm did, doing. and that's the good thing. They wrote him in a way that he observed for a bit, and then it was like he made a decision. Yep, she's worth it. It yeah. wasn't like instant, you know what I mean? They had him watching her and then he would observe her company and like from a distance. He didn't just hop in and be like Mr. Wonderful. It was like you would imagine in a different telling of the story, if he looked around and thought, these people are a bunch of assholes, I'm getting out of here, I don't need this job. But in this time, the way they wrote it was he really, he thought this was worth salvage, worth investing my the rest of my life really when you think about it. It's a weird film. It's not the kind of film I normally nope, love. me either. Um... I usually am kind of bored by movies like this because it's usually very predictable all the time. Um, this one, I thought, it isn't actually fully predictable. There are moments where I was like, oh, really? That's happening? I, that is, uh, you know, there are moments where I feel it didn't necessarily need. There's a bit where they do like a bit of a heist, like we talked about earlier, which is, it <laughs> seems out of place in this movie almost. It's so, yeah. it goes a bit silly, like, um, I wouldn't have even done that. It's not necessary even. It's just a... It's funny. Yeah. But it's not necessary. No, it feels like they just decided we're not funny. We're not got enough... No, they did that first. Chartley moments here. Remember? She said we did. they filmed all that part first. Yeah, they did film it first. But um, the rest of it is not like that. That's just a very standout bit where you're like, okay, they're going on a funny thing. Gonna- now I can say there are, you know, we all have our own little heisty moments. I've been with my best friend... When she wanted to go get a piece of wood off of a building that was in a like a block like a fenced in piece of property, so I was the lookout. So I stood by the road, making sure nobody <laughs> pulled up while she crawled under the fence in the dirt because she couldn't climb up high enough. Runs across this weedy, terrible like it was like out in the foresty kind of woody kind of area to get to this building. Think, and then yeah. here she comes running back at me with like two pieces of wood in her mm-hmm. hands. And then she had to hand it through the fence to me. And then she had to crawl herself back under the fence. So, you know, is it this, happens. Would you, would you class this as a romantic comedy? Or would you class this as a, what is this type of, type of film? Friendship comedy? Mm-hmm. I don't know what else, what are the word to use for friendship? Yeah, because it's not a, ro- well, there is a romance in this movie. Yeah, but it's but, not um, the primary thing of it. No, it isn't. It is a side note to the to this friendship, so. Yeah. Maybe um, that's going to be a new genre, just friendship. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was actually a two hours long, this film. It didn't it? feel like two no, hours that at all. Was, it was right, though. I felt right. Yeah. But if they'd cut out the heist, you're right. That could have mm. trimmed out 20 minutes that doesn't but It's unnecessary, need... that part. Because it's not... The only thing it does Because is... you know what? It's not actually that funny. <laughs> all it does is it makes those young characters... Have something... For him. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. You're not just a dude who sits at the desk with a nice suit on. You then are, they like, admire him badass. Yeah. And then, in fact, there's, like, you know, then they kind of even try and emulate him a little bit, like, because he <laughs> learns them some things about themselves. 
Um, so let's move on to the cast. Robert De Niro obviously plays Ben. Um, what did you think of his performance in this? I mean, uh, you know, Robert De Niro hasn't done much for me for a long time. Not that he's obligated to, but the Fockers and stuff like that, it's pure, it's straight up wackiness. And in this one, there is a subtle, you know, it's, it's the, it's the benefit of being an actor for however many years. I don't know how many years. I mean, he's in that position, isn't he? He's, he's the yeah, elderly he's actor. Yeah, he's been in the... performing and examining the art of performing a character. And he's in, he's really deep into it. He, we know he's been method. He's been all kinds of ways before, you know, like hardcore. I think he's a bit more relaxed now. Yeah. But there's a thing about just, those, he could, he just shudders his shoulder and shakes his head a little bit when he walks away to where you're like, either if he's just doing that by accident, it doesn't matter because what it just told me about the character is X, Y, and Z, and I feel like he's subtle, he's not like, and he's very, he keeps up the gentlemanliness, but not in a very square kind of uptight way, which I think would be difficult. Yeah. Because it would be easy to be really, like, stiff and, you know, but he's, you know. Yeah, I You have to remember, this is a person who's taking a job that he doesn't need. So at any moment, he could just stop going. He just needs so something his, to fill his day. So he doesn't yeah. have to be uptight. He doesn't have to be nervous. He doesn't have to be stressed out about anything. And I think it comes across. Yeah. And he I, has decided he's going to focus on this young lady and help her build her her business and her life. And that's his focus. And I feel like that happens nice pace through the movie. It's not instant. No. But you feel like it grows and grows on him. And I think he does take a look around and goes, um, everybody here is young and there isn't actually much input from somebody. There's not many. They're all the same age. Like everybody The one in the thing building. about this character, though, that isn't 100% realistic is that people who are 70 years old right now are not always willing to learn all the things he's willing to learn. No. He's willing to keep just very get open, caught up yeah. with all the technology, all the Hollywood dropping names, all the shit that they talk about, you know, all the little Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So not every... And he, he plays it as if he's, you know... I can learn anything. Like, I can I'll learn just anything. I'll figure it out. It's yeah. exciting. Mm. I'll take it on board, which is fantastic. I'd hope that I'll be that way, you know, as I get older. But I don't know a lot of people in the real age bracket... Well, I don't know, though. If you, I don't know. My mom tries, right? She's 74. There's a limit. You hit yeah, the ceiling. <laughs> but there's still the effort. So, there was um, There was moments where I didn't think of Robert De Niro anymore, and I was thinking of just Ben. So that kind of worked for me. Yeah, me too. Which me is, too. Because it's hard to forget Robert De Niro, isn't it? You know, he's pretty ingrained in you from so many movies. Uh, Anne Hathaway plays Jules. What did you think? Oh, she's really good. I mean, I'm... I, yeah, I've mostly always I'm a bit liked of a fan Hathaway. of her. This was really good. She had a range of everything that she had to do. That was, and she didn't play the like you know hard ass, bitchy CEO. And she's not like the soft, a crumbling. Oh, somebody come to my rescue, person. I just felt like it was pretty straightforward. The bit in the hotel room with Robert De Niro is my favorite part with her, because she was really laying it all out there, like. And then, yeah, like, then yeah, when yeah. she just wanted to watch TV with him, like just that whole part for me was where she was like, "Ooh, you know." I mean, some might say it's the part with the husband near the end, but no, no. for me that I just didn't watch with me at all. No. It's a shame, really. <laughs> um, just like the husband. Rene so Rousseau appears here as Fiona. 
And um, she is uh, Robert mm. De Niro's romance, romantic interest. Is she around well, his age or is she younger than him? Don't know. She, I was like, she's not his age. You know, when it, there was one moment where, where some somebody said something about, but I was like, no, she seems like twenty years younger than Robert De Niro to me. But um, what did you think of her? Did you like her? She's a masseuse. Yeah, I liked her, and I like again. She's there's not a lot to it, but I thought it was. Right. I could tell that she's also a lady of certain age who's doing this job and she's kind of over the whole man thing, mostly. And and she fits because there's it's, not a lot to her, though. It's that thing, like in the new in the new workplace, in all these kind of places, Pixar and all that, where they hire somebody as a massage, a masseuse to come around and massage the workers to keep them their morale up. <laughs> It's like a very new, new <laughs> massage. Thing. Are you sure that's what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there is a wacky part actually with the. She is born nineteen fifty four. Oh really? So she's what? Well, let's do the math. <laughs> so she's born in nineteen fifty four. So, if we add fifty years to that, my brother's born in fifty seven. He's ten years older than me, so she's thirteen years older than me. You're ruining my math. Sorry. She's 13 years older than me, so she's like 55. Right, and Robert De Niro's 70. Oh, no. She's not 55. 65. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so she's nearly his age, but she's <laughs> yeah. still young. Uh, yeah. If that's wrong, please let us know. Um, next up, I put Anders home as Matt, uh, which is the guy you don't like. I really didn't, and I'm not... I thought he fit... I, he definitely... He didn't fit well, from I'm our not. description of him, though. Our description of him is he was very successful. He was ahead he was of another company. He supposed to be all run down, uh, all that support, because he'd been, like, had to look after the kids. But, he, and... but that's the thing. We didn't get that vibe. No. We're not being told that he's bitter. And yet, he's just nothing. He's literally nothing. He's so unappealing. I have no sympathy for him. I have nothing. It seems like he's a fine character of a father to this little girl That's, if not a little bit too sappy that part i came across like like he, trying too hard they made him too much of that kind of a dad you know hmm. but as far as every single scene i was just like does this guy have anything to offer like nothing i don't see the appeal i don't none of it so i was that was my the lowest point of the movie for me um andrew rannells plays cameron Adam Devine plays Jason, and Zach Perlman plays Davis. <laughs> Are you saying them because they're like a unit? And yeah, and Jason O'Lear plays Lewis. That's probably wrong. But anyway, there's three. There's three main dudes plus the other guy. They're um, the millennials. Let's call them. They're um, they're what you would expect from like people working in that type of company. They seem realistic to me. They're all comedians. But I thought at the beginning, these three are going to be a real pain in the ass. I'm going to hate everything they say. But they weren't, they didn't go overboard with it. It wasn't like, I agree. It wasn't like um, Jonah Hill was doing it. It had the potential to be yeah. really annoying, but I felt it was. It did have the potential in. to be super. I was like, oh no, these are like the hacker dudes in like any other movie where they have yeah. to do the hacking. But it was right. But they came across right. And they didn't overutilize them. They were the only... thing is, though, and I work with a lot of people who have becoming this age and this attitude and this sort of vibe. I'm not a fan of it. And so, but they fit. In fact, they're, they were less obnoxious than some of the people I've met in person who have this weird... Like snark about them. 
snark and like, like no matter what. Now I'm not saying that I've never acted like a smartass. Like I know more than the people around me because I have and I still do. But there's this sort of like we are tuned in and therefore we are more intelligent than the 50 year old guy over there who is sitting there doing twice as much work as me. But look at him. He doesn't know anything about Twitter and he doesn't go on Facebook and he gets to work early and he leaves late. What a what's the point in that? I want to work smart, not hard. I hate that shit. And so I get that vibe. But these three, I feel like because this may be sexist, because we have a female writer director, she knew exactly the right balance you know, maybe yeah. these are the, these represent these guys the way she wants to yeah, see I think, them. Yeah, I do think because it's wrote by wrote and directed by a woman, it comes across differently. If um, Seth Rogen would have wrote those characters, it, they you would have been, oh, fuck, get them off the screen, you know. <laughs> so um, directed by, talking of female, Nancy Myers. She's a famous uh, director for this kind of movie, actually. Um she also did Something's Gotta Give, which you liked, I believe. Or I, I probably no, liked. it was I don't all right. It, it wasn't. It was all right. Uh, she also did It's Complicated, which uh, I ne- did not see, and she also did um, The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. That I actually saw that one, and you know that's a pretty straight up Disney kind of film, isn't it? Uh, so, what do you think about her as a director and? I think it's very, it's fine. Like they've said in the extras, it always looks lush. There's definitely, the, I don't know if that's her or art, the art team, right? I think it's her expectations mm. of the people around her. That it's not an empty, vapid, um, when you look at the screen, every shot needs to be... Filled with something. A world. Story. And also, it is a bit hyper realistic in a way you know it's all dressed up a bit much the office is a bit much the houses are a bit like i kept thinking are there no there's no one other than high income people in this movie right no well, one except for the one dude who has to live move with, live with him yeah. but that's only because he can't you know but that was the my, my only complaint would be nothing is um to me those kind of places are unrealistic because I don't, most of the people I know don't live in houses like that or apartments like that. And so that's the only thing I would say is that she likes to really dress up everything. But it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's very, yeah. And it's not overly stylized or anything like that. It's very straight up, like a, looks like a Hollywood movie to me. It's shiny. It's glossy. Everything looks good. There's not a hair out of place on anybody's head. The fashion is immaculate. The whole thing is... You know, it's not what you really see in real life, is it? <laughs> but it works well for this movie. So uh, extras, there are a couple, or, well, three to be precise, on this Blu-ray. There are Learning from Experience, Designs on Life, and The Three Interns. Um, the Three Interns is the three... Um, interns? <laughs> the, uh, the millennial dudes being funny and just having a chat to the camera. The designs on life is actually about the set design and the clothing design in this movie, which I think is really good. And the learning from experience is about the generation gap between the two main characters. Um, They're not great extras, to be honest. They're just, like, really, really short. And you already know everything they say from the movie, really. It's not like, oh, we made this movie this way. It's not like when when you watch Mad Max and then you watch the extras and go, holy crap, I didn't. But can't believe what they did there. It's not like that. This is just exploring a bit of what you've already seen. So not great, the extras. So, but um, what do you think overall? 
the intern. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it did was, I. And it was I sweet. didn't expect to. And I'm to not a sweet kind of lover, you know? I like salty grit, but there's I there's a place it. a time and a place for all kinds of movies, right? And you know, some don't work for me and some do. This one I think works. I think I liked the characters mm-hmm. and I think that's really the main thing. If there's somebody I despise or it's not like we're saying it's that because wrong. oh it's Robert De Niro so we like it because neither of us love the Fokker movies no. like not at all didn't even see the last one right so uh-huh. you you know you gotta gotta really watch it hmm. I just thought the I I don't, you know I, I thought it was an interesting premise I feel like off. taking the whole two hours was good because that's what gives it its heart yeah instead of those quickly. sort of lingering where he has to think for several seconds before he tells her a thing or before he comments on a thing and. I think it's full. It's Every scene is full of good, um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go and what they're going to say to each other, and that doesn't happen very often. No. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I get it. This scene is for me to find out. Well, get on, get on, get on with it, you know? So, yeah, quite a nice, um, unoffensive... <laughs> very, yeah. Um, ...movie. I reckon somebody like your mother would love this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's The Intern. Uh, you can pick it up on Tuesday on Blu-ray. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Diary of a Teenage Girl. And while that sound, might sound like a movie for teenage mm-hmm. girls, I don't think it is. So we'll have a look at that next week. Uh, thank you to Warner Brothers for The Intern. And if you want to enter a contest, we've got three running at the moment. Go to aschoolie.com and win some movies. You can win uh, The Green Inferno. Uh, on Blu-ray, or you can win Sinister 2 on Blu-ray, or you can win The Visit by M. Night Shyamalan on Blu-ray. So go to ascoli.com and try and win those. Movie recommendations, I am always going with the theme of The Intern, and what I did this week was just chose a movie with Anne Hathaway and a movie with Robert De Niro. My first one with Anne Hathaway, which has kind of got the vibe of this movie quite a bit, mm-hmm. is The Devil Wears Prada. Um... You know, it won Oscar that movie, didn't it? Uh, I remember. I still enjoying, don't understand why, but what, I remember I mean, enjoying good, it in the way I enjoyed this, though. Like it was an interesting. It was too much for me. You know what it reminded me of was <laughs> character. Um, what's it called? Coyote Wild. No, no. Yeah, Coyote that idea of like, yeah, Coyote, of this young girl who's trying really hard and has to overcompensate and kind of like down in the dumps and has to really pull it through in this time and really impress this person and work her ass off and give up everything just so she can pay her rent and all this shit. And then, of course, magic happens and everything goes right. And it's like, I just, I'm not comparing it because Coyote was really terrible, but I never thought that was so good. I remember enjoying it, so I chose it for Anne Hathaway. But I also remember enjoying... Is it Ella Enchanted mm-hmm. with Anne Hathaway? Yeah, Ella Enchanted. That's a really good That's Anne really Hathaway. That's really fun. Yeah. And my Robert De Niro one, because I was thinking, no, I'm not going to rec- recommend Goodfellas and stuff like that. We, you know, I obviously love those movies. So I was thinking more on the light-hearted side of things from Robert De Niro, and Meet the Fockers didn't make the grade, unfortunately. Uh, so I chose Analyze This. Not analyze that because that was terrible, but analyze this, the original one. Um, a really good comedy with Robert De Niro that's not just Robert De Niro acting wacky. It's kind of a bit of both. It's kind of him making fun of what, like, his Goodfellas type characters, but in a, uh, I was going to say romantic comedy, but it's not a romantic comedy. It's a kind of sitcom y type thing. Also a bit of a friend thing, if yeah. you kind of, sort of. Yeah, like unlikely 
friends. Yeah. So analyze this and the Devil Wears Prada. I'm and mine, as it has been from the beginning of this year, I'm going to go down my list of all movies I've ever seen in alphabetical order in the first whole big chunk. Start with numbers. So we are up to a favorite of ours, 10,000 BC. Not great. Now, why are you recommending that one? Because it's on my. Have you not been paying attention for the last three weeks? I have, but you just. It's my whole list. But everything on my list is going to get recommended because it's my entire list. These are movies I've seen. How can you recommend crap, though? Because I think that until I saw it, I couldn't make up my own mind. Because that is crap. Yeah, but until somebody sees it, right, they can't make up their mind. And it might be a movie they've never heard of. It's very long, it's kind of hard to watch. What I did like about it. The only thing I could say, it's I like really about bad it, CG. It's got really interesting. Like somebody was trying really hard to do a mishmash of like how the pyramids were built and that sort of time frame and what was going on. Um, it came out around the time of um, Apocalypse in it, and so we thought, Apocalypto, oh, you thought, yeah, Apocalypto. So we thought, oh, it's going to be you know the same kind of telling of the dying of an empire or the dying of a people, whenever you know. So it's not great. No, it's but not it even has good. Now, it has its moments, so you can't dismiss it 100%, but that's 10,000 BC. The next one is 101 Dalmatians. Now, no, that's, a good that's the animated version and the real-life action. They're both good. And 127 Hours. Now, that's a good film. See? That's See? Danny Boyle. See, if you go through the list, I won't forget. So this is how I can remind people about movies that even I forgot. 127 about. Hours, True Life Story, Danny Boyle movie. Um, really awesome James Franco um, performance. Or as Louise Belcher says, that idiot in that crevice who kind of didn't so patient, he had to cut off his arm. I think that's Louise one of my Belcher favorite James Franco performances, aside from Spring Breakers, which I love. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is just, out there. Yeah, but he's just... Crazy. It's, uh, it's a very good movie, that Spring Breakers. I recommend Spring Breakers as well. It doesn't that's make it like good just because you like it. I really like it a lot. Like. I know, but that doesn't make it good. It's a it fine film. Eyes. Yeah. But that, no, you can't even say that. Even though I love. Uh, what do I love? I, I, I you know really what I liked about Spring Breakers? I really Breakers. enjoyed The Intern, right? That doesn't make it a good movie. Well, what I liked about Spring Breakers was what. I thought it was, was not what it was. It, like, it looked like something. The cover, the trailer even, the whole thing looked like something. Something I would not watch. Yeah, that's all we said. They they sold it wrong. They sold it they sold it right because it I, I was watching it going, Oh, this is no, not No, they sold it wrong because you would never have seen it if it hadn't come across your desk to I review. guess not, I guess not. You would have been like, That's not a movie I would watch. So luckily they sold it wrong. Because it is not what they tried to make it seem like it was. And a really good performance by Selena Gomez in there too. It's a, it's a really interesting movie. It's it is not, interesting. It's not. Um, it's challenging at times because it's quite. Uh, you kind of go like. Mm. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on to games and a Scully stuff. I played a couple of uh, games this week. The first one I'll mention, actually, in the wrong order, is Omicron: The Nomad Soul. If you remember the guys who made Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, uh, they are called Quantic Dream. Back in the early days of gaming before most people knew that they even existed, they made a game called Omicron The Nomad Soul. And it was an adventure game. It was probably back in the very early 90s. And this adventure game was... It went... At the time, PC Gamer called it like... Like, this is the future of interactive entertainment. And it's an adventure game that actually features David Bowie. This is why I came across this this week. 
I played it back in the day, but I've not played it since then. And David Bowie appears in the game, and he actually composed two or three songs inside the game. I'm not talking like songs that they play when the credits are on. I'm talking like he performs them in the game as a singer. It's an interesting game. If you like Quantic Dream stuff, it's about choice. And you're working your way through this world. You're actually going inside this world through a conduit of another person. It kind of inspired their Indigo Prophecy, another game that they made. Uh, but David Bowie appears in it. And what Square Enix did, who hold the rights to this game, is you can still pick this up, actually. They've given it away for free because David Bowie died. They wanted to do a tribute to him. So you can go to Square Enix's store. You can just sign up for an account and you can put it in your cart. If you put the word Omicron in the coupon code, you get it for free. And it's a Steam code, so you can go to Steam and stick it in your Steam library, which is really cool. So, yeah, that is free. It's a really cool game. It's Yes, obviously it's dated, but it runs now on new PCs because uh, they've kind of upgraded it slightly. The other game I played this week, and this is a depressing game, is the that Dragon Cancer. Now, I've been following this game for a few... Uh, well, probably for about a year now when I heard about it. And it's... a. Uh, there's a family um, who lost a child to cancer and they made a video game based on their experiences. Now, I wouldn't 100% call it a game because that would be kind of... It's not a game. It's more a interactive experience. What would you call it? Like, it's a... It's not a game. You don't sit and, like, get a high score or anything. It's like a... It's an interactive experience. It's a story yeah. told through... Yeah, story. Yeah. So it's and it's abstract a lot, but what it does have, and I've not played all the way through it yet. I got, like I said to you, I got to the end of chapter one, and I was like, I was like super down. Like I was like, oh, this is heavy. Like, and it is really heavy, and it even features in the game real phone calls, that and voice messages that they left each other during that period. They're not vo- not scripted. They're actual calls that were made to each other. So it feels deeply personal to me when I'm, I almost feel like I shouldn't be playing it. Like I'm really inside somebody's world. And, you know, like there's a level where you're in the hospital room with your baby who's on chemotherapy and the husband's like, you know, cuddling the baby and the wife's talking on the phone. It is really, really heavy. Um, but you know what? I love to see things like this done with this medium, you know, video games aren't, it's not just Pac-Man and, you know, it's Call of Duty. Sometimes people can take it beyond that, and this takes it beyond that. I mean, don't go into this. You know, it will affect some people worse than others. Also, you know, if you're oh god close yeah. to this kind of story, you know, you'll you know it could help people. There's a lot to say for this kind of thing. You know, if people make a movie about this, there'd be a lot to say about it. People would talk about it, but. It's a video game, and sometimes they go, un, you know, overlooked. So that's called That Dragon Cancer. It's on Steam. You can pick it up now. Uh, it's very sad. And that's it for my games this week. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight will be, possibly, most likely, some tofu, some potatoes, some corn, some kale. Your favorite. Kale. kale. Can I... Uh, kale I'm and pasta, and I'm like... 
But the it, kale and parsley, if you just rip it up and throw it in the thing and just eat it, no salt, no nothing. It's so good. I am so lucky. I like that stuff. I don't know why I still have to be so fat, but I really I love do like kale, kale and parsley. when it's baked in those chips. When you bake yeah, it, that smells the, really bad. Yeah, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying that's the only way I like kale. I have tried kale before. Is there's some kind of stringent taste to it that I can't deal and with? And I love it. It's the same as is it coriander that I don't like? Yeah. Whatever that has, that weird cilantro. taste. Cilantro. Cilantro. That is parsley mm-hmm. and kale also has that to me. But it's so, like, alive. Mm. When you eat it, you just feel like, <gasps> it's just, like, perks you right I up. I feel like I'm just munching out of the garden. Mm. I'm just putting my mouth down on the grass. That's what I'm saying. But that's good. And so that's what we're in for summer. And my advice is that today is not always the day. The day. Today, today I'm going to get up and exercise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start today. Well... You're not gonna probably. And if you do, that's great. But by the end of the day, if you haven't, it's not like worth kicking yourself over. Because today maybe isn't the day. And if you never come across that day, again, it depends on what you're talking about. But we set up this thing where that's it. I'm gonna get up today and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna eat any sugar and I'm not gonna do this. And then you have sugar in your tea and then you feel disappointed in yourself, which makes no sense to me. Like, there's no measure here. You're not, there's no measuring stick of your life. And if you drop dead tomorrow and you hadn't eaten that teaspoon of sugar, it wouldn't make a bit of freaking difference, right? No. Now, if every single day <laughs> you're eating three pounds of sugar and the doctor says, if you don't stop eating sugar today or drinking alcohol today, you will die. Now, that's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all these little kind of lame-ass goals we all set for ourselves. And I do it all the time. Today I'm going to do the thing. And then by the time the day goes on and I'm like, I don't really feel like doing that anymore. I shouldn't have even told hey. myself I was going to do it because I'm not going to do it. And now I feel like shit about it. But why? Because tomorrow I may not do it again. But then there's going to be a day when I do. And it's not going to be the day that I wake up and think it. It's going to be this day that I th- get up and do it. And then it's not like I need to pat myself on the back. It's just like that's the day. True. So, you know... If today's not the day, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up. Well, goals are good for people. Some of us. Some motivated people, you know. Yeah, I'm not a goal-oriented person. I'm an in-the-moment person. You can't attach. If you do set something for yourself and then fail, it is worse, Mm -hmm. almost, because it's harder to start it back up. But you're the person who gets satisfaction from simply achieving that, um, ticking that box off your list. That satisfies you. I get satisfaction from thinking, waking up and going, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And and then when I get to the end of that thing in my mind, I'm like, okay, all those things are... Right. But that's what I'm saying. Those things didn't satisfy you. It's the fact that you fulfilled your list. Me, I couldn't give a shit. What matters to me is the thing itself. Right. So if today I decide I'm going to get up, I'm going to... Finish this design. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to walk two miles. I'm going to design my website. By the end of the day, if all I've done is accomplished by designing, redesigning my website, and I feel really good about that thing, I couldn't give a shit about the other stuff. I really couldn't. But then you've set yourself up to fail, kind of. You know. Now, if you're a goal-oriented person, that's different. I'm talking to the people who are like me. Numbers don't matter to me. Goals don't matter to me. It's all about right now, I want to feel satisfied that I've accomplished something. And we went for a walk the other day. That was very satisfying. And I hadn't thought about it. We hadn't planned on it. We just did it. 
And it felt really good. Like We found one day when it wasn't <laughs> yeah, cold. Yeah, it wasn't freezing. And in that moment, that's satisfying to me. That doesn't mean that now I'm going to set myself on a trajectory to expect that I do it every day and then fail if I don't. So, you know, if I don't know how you set a soft goal. You could say, today I would like to do this or that, right? It would be really cool if I, you know, if I'm feeling it, I'll do it. But even then, I don't know. I'm just not that person very much. I'm, I have a hard time with that. But if today is not the day... To start your diet or walk a mile or finish that project as long as you're not getting in trouble or getting fired for it or it's not something that's like really necessary for your health. Like, well, the doctor wants me to get an MRI because they found a lump, but I don't want to go today. That's different. Just go do it. Like, that's a different kind of a thing. I'm talking about, you know, well, I would really like to clean out all the drawers in the kitchen. I'm going to do it today. And then halfway through the day, you're like, oh, my God, I can't even I don't even want to bother. What a letdown. One day you'll do that. One day you'll do it. Like it's, And if you don't, what impact does it have on your life, really? If it's not... Unless truly, it's always niggling at you and you really have, like, there, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's a balance there. But the thing about not letting yourself down, that's the thing. Because, you know, life's too short. All right. So, good advice, Sid Talk. Thanks. Um, Refreshing Thank you. and great. Refreshing. No, parsley and kale mm-hmm. is refreshing. So I'll remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Search for After the Show. iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. No, it's not the Zoom Marketplace. Xbox thing. And go to aschoolie.com slash podcast and subscribe there to our podcast. Or listen on the page. Sid Talk's putting a hand up. I'm putting my hand up so I can say something. I did write a thing for my website this week that was just sort of like a dumping of some, you know, thoughts about how I've changed my attitude about winter and summer and stuff. And it is about personal... Is it a thought dump? Have you read it? Yes. Well, then you know what it is. Is it called a thought dump? (laughs) No, it's not called anything except I was just thinking, like, you know, in my life, it's changed around from hating the idea of spring and summer to now craving it. And for reasons that I thought maybe other people could identify with this, that it's not about what other people think it's about. It's about something else. So if you're interested, it's sidtalk.com, C-I-D-T-A-L-K.com. Also, email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk at SidTalk.com. She doesn't want that shit. And <laughs> finally, stay classy, Mr. Robert De Niro and Miss Anne Hathaway. Both very classy in this movie, I must admit. Think for yourself or people will do it for you.